contracts this morning. Uh, we talked about two things. So this is going to be broken up into two different episodes just to cover the different topics. But we finished up our discussion of mutual assent underneath the UCC. If you remember yesterday, we talked about uh, Janish. Uh, sorry, not yesterday, but last week we talked about Janish, and this is the food truck where... Uh, to determine if something's underneath the UCC, we need to look at whether or not it's a good. And in this case, uh, Steiberg v. Eaton, uh, it's about manufacturing breaks. There's a component uh, manufacturer, that's Steiberg, who sells this component to Eaton, who manufactures uh, a larger product. Uh, I think it's an engine. But the biggest takeaway from this case is that the UCC doesn't care as much about how the contract is formed, uh, sorry, about when the contract is formed, or how the parties end up agreeing to it, as long as they do agree to it um, in some way. But the biggest thing is that the terms of the contract need to be sufficient. And there are essential terms that a contract needs to have. And even though not all the terms need to be there at once, it does need to be sufficient enough to determine whether or not there's a contract. And there's five factors that we're going to consider. The first is that the identity of the parties need to be bound, meaning they need to, sorry, the, um, the parties need to agree what they're going to be agreeing to. So for example, here, one party says, we want parts, and the other party says, okay, we'll pay you for parts. It, that's like the they want a contract to occur uh, the second thing is subject matter of the contract in this case it's going to be breaks uh, consideration in this instance in this case it was missing because there was a lack of a quantity term and a price term and then the fourth thing is that there needs to be a quantity term that just means how much of the goods are going to be sold uh, this was missing from this case because they didn't decide on how many units they wanted to sell. There was a whole bunch of controversy whether or not they wanted 13,000 units or 60,000 units, 20,000 units, and they couldn't settle on how much of the quantity was going to be existing. And then also the price term, and this was missing because they couldn't decide on the quantity because the price was dependent on the quantity here. So of these things, there are three things that are missing out of five, and I mean, I'm not saying that's how you weigh it, but that's a big part of how, whether or not you say if there are sufficient terms in the case of that there wasn't here. Um, just to sum up some of the facts of the case, uh, Steiberg sent, uh, Eaton wanted parts. They reached out to Steiberg. Steiberg says, okay, we'll sell you parts. Uh, we want a minimum of $13,000. That's what the sales department said. And Eaton's like, that sounds great. Uh, we'll do that. And then uh, Steiberg's VP went down and said, no, 13's too low. We, we can't do that. The engineers aren't able to produce that much for that amount of quant uh, money. So you're going to have to up the amount of units and you're going to have to up the price. And so they started doing that. Um, and Eaton's like, eh, we don't really want to do that. And eventually they purchased 420, not 20. Not 420,000, but just 420 parts. Um, not related to this original purchase order. But ultimately, nothing was written down. Uh, they couldn't decide on whether or not they wanted parts. They couldn't decide on the 13,000. Uh, at one point, there was a decision on the 13,000, but all the actions afterwards acted as if there was no decision on the 13,000. So there was no agreement 
because the terms were insufficient. And, and that's finishing up our mutual assent underneath the UCC. Uh, it needs to be good. We need to, it, it doesn't matter so much when a contract is formed, as long as it's formed, parties uh, agree on terms, sufficient terms, things like that. And that's how that goes underneath the UCC. It's, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's a basic summary of how that works. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.